Welcome to Marketing Thought Leadership, the podcast that offers insightful discussions on thought-provoking marketing topics. Here's the host of our show, marketing consultant, speaker, author, and educator, and the president of L2M Associates, Linda Popke. Hi, this is Linda Popke, and welcome to our latest episode of Marketing Thought Leadership. We're here today with Robin Farman Farmian, and she is a professional speaker, entrepreneur, and angel investor who drives high-level business development for cutting-edge medical and biotech companies who can impact as much as 100 million patients. She is the VP of Act of Valen, Curing Cancer, and Strategic Relations Advisor to MindMaze, which is using virtual reality for stroke and brain injury rehabilitation. She's invested in companies like Invicta Medical, which is a medical technology company for sleep apnea, and Dance Biofarm inhaled insulin with a smart connected device. She's spoken over 125 different places in 12 countries, educating audiences on technology, the future of healthcare, patient empowerment, building thought leadership, and more. Her first book, The Patient as CEO, How Technology Empowers a Healthcare Computer Consumer, was a number one bestseller on Amazon, and she has a brand new book coming out uh, right about now, and that's what we're going to talk about today. So welcome, Robin. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I've been looking forward to this. Well, good to have you here. So you are now releasing a book just about the same time that we do this interview about thought leadership. So tell us a little bit about why did you decide to talk about thought leadership and how did you come to this idea of the book? Absolutely. So the book's name is The Thought Leader Formula, and it it talks about how to strategically leverage your expertise to drive business and career goals. And I thought it was the perfect time to launch this because it's basically based on a project plan I created for myself to turn myself into a professional speaker. And the reason I turned myself into a professional speaker in the first place was to both drive my career so that I could easily get jobs at different corporations or startup companies, but also to drive high-level business development for companies. So it really opened up doors. But the third reason I decided to become a professional speaker, and this goes right into the fact that I wrote this book, is because this is my solution to the Me Too movement. Because as a small, petite, blonde female in Silicon Valley, I have experienced my fair share of uh, both gender bias and sexual harassment and, and bullying and abuse and all of that in the workplace. And, and a few companies, not a lot. I've, I've worked with over 25 companies, and this happened at just a handful of them. And I realized fighting against that was not a solution. You can't change people's opinions when they're already being bullies or abusive. So instead, turn yourself into a thought leader. Become known for your ideas in your brain so people can't steal your ideas and can no longer abuse and bully you. And then once you have, it, have gotten far enough, send the elevator back down for other women to join you. That's interesting. I love that metaphor. So rather than try and fight back, which is, I think, what people's most first reaction is, what you did is you kind of changed the whole formula. You just basically said, I'm going to play a different game. Exactly. And I, and I actually say that a lot, like, play your game, don't play theirs. Their yep. game is potentially biased in the way they treat a, a certain group of people, and it doesn't necessarily need to be women. There are all types of bias. Um, and so instead of trying to fight that directly, just become more noticeable than they are. <laughs> wow. And, and that sounds, sounds simple, but as we all know, it's one thing to say, I want to be a thought leader and I want to be known, and it's another to go from saying it to actually being it. 
So that's where you started with, with writing, coming up with the formula and writing the book. So tell me a little bit of how you turned kind of becoming a thought leader into a whole system that people could figure out and follow through on. Sure. So my experience, and you can't tell this from my bio, is that through and through I'm actually an event planner. I have a four-year degree, a BS in hospitality management from Boston University, which is one of the top schools in that area. So I've been trained to run a chain of rich hotels, <laughs> right? Okay. And so running an event is one tiny fraction of being able to – being in the service industry at the level that I train to be at. And so I know the event world inside and out. So I know how speakers get there. And so between just being able to, to understand the conference world through and through, I've run every single position, and I've actually run hundreds of events at this point, including uh, the San Francisco Ballet, the annual gala, which uh, we netted $1.5 million in one night, to five- and seven-day conferences that are 12000 to $150,000 a person or company. So, wow. I mean, we're talking – I have deep experience in the event world – and so between understanding that and understanding project planning and creating that system for myself, so I, I sat down behind my computer the day I decided to not fight against bias, and I said, okay, well, let's going to, I'm going to choose my own path how to do this. And I sat down with a spreadsheet, and I gave myself goals, and I put in metrics. I metricized my plan, and I put in a you know, step-by-step project plan like anyone would do if you were in operations or marketing or, or anything in any type of company. And I've just taken that, that spreadsheet I created for myself, which I followed for five years, and I just turned that into a step-by-step system for you. Excellent. Wow. So it took you was – it, it was five years from the time you said, I'm going to do this, till you actually wrote the book or till you actually felt like a thought leader? Oh, uh, let's see. I decided to do this six years ago exactly. Okay. And I got my first paid speaking engagement paid, like I think this was $2,500 for, mm-hmm. um, for a keynote, which was pretty good. It was my third speaking engagement ever, and that was in the year 2014. Okay. So it took me less than a year. It actually only took me six months or, or nine months from deciding to do this to getting my very first paid speaking engagement, and then it was only a year later I published The Patient as CEO, and now at this point, I'm booked out for the spring at ten and $15,000 keynotes. And my audiences wow. are ranging from 2,000 nurses to 3,000 dermatologists to 400 of the United, um, like, uh, big insurance companies' managers. I mean, we're talking I'm doing quite big audiences for very large, important corporations now. Wow. So what was kind of your big aha? And I know I've, you know, I've, I've looked through the book, and I know that we have to read the book. But if we had to just kind of summarize and say, what's your big aha that you got from saying, hey, I'm going to go from this till I've actually got these nice um, speaking engagements that they're paying me a lot of money. What was kind of the biggest thing that you maybe surprised you that you learned through this journey? Hmm. How fast it happened. Okay. I, I did not expect it to happen as quickly and as as seamlessly as it did, especially because when you look at my background of education, I have my education, which means – I only have a degree from Boston University, but I've actually been to Harvard, Berkeley, Stanford, Wellesley, Dartmouth, Golden Gate, BU, USF. Um, and <laughs> so I, I just take classes, so I have my education. My aha moment, um, or one of those things that said, wow, I, I can't believe how far I've come in such a short period of time, 
is when Stanford brought me on as a paid guest lecturer. And I've given two two-hour lectures at Stanford on the convergence of technology disrupting healthcare with only a BS in management. Wow. And a BS is income from Stanford, too. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, that I mean, it was – it's that it so far exceeded my expectations. And when – the day my book published, it was December of 2015, that first book. It was like turning off a light switch on – sexual abuse, gender bias, and bullying in the workplace for me. It literally, I mean, men totally don't even hit on me anymore, let alone come near me to uh, uh, and touch me indiscriminately of any, in any way. I mean, it was turning off a light switch. It was crazy. So do you think that what happened, Robin, was your attitude changed or they saw you differently because you had a book, et cetera? What really was the difference? Because I know there's probably a lot of people saying, wow, I'd, I'd like to see that kind of change happen. Can you maybe kind of tell us a little bit about what was the big thing that made it really that much different for you? It, I, w- I didn't change. I mean, I've always been this kind of intense planning person and, and create goals and execute on them, and they usually don't surprise me because I've worked very hard to get to that goal. The uh, the big surprise, the big change was how other people saw me. And it was okay. one of the things that, that happened, it was hilarious. I think within a month of my book publishing, and by the way, at, the, at that point in 2015, late 2015, I've already had a handful of paid speaking engagements, and I've put my price up to 10000 at that point. Right. And so that's only like a year and a half into my thought leader journey. People came up to me and said, wow, Robin, I didn't realize you were smart. Or, wow, Robin, you really learned a lot in the past six months. How did you write a book like this? When did you learn all this information? I'm like, uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you learned it, you it, learned was, it all overnight, exactly, right. I, I did. And that's and that's what people felt like because I was this blonde, bouncy, bubbly blonde, right? And doing high level biz dev and some of the men were treating me or even calling me an executive assistant even though I'm the I'm the person who brings in millions. And so right. so the people who believed that were getting their information I think from some of these bullies and some of the men who just always discounted my work anyway this was like oh robin you know is just just that whatever she just does things um and i think that's the message that they were hearing and all of a sudden i proved them wrong and 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 i think that people's attitude attitudes changed towards me dramatically and overnight the day the book published that is fantastic that's amazing. So let's talk a little bit because certainly some of the people listening to this are not ready to go out and publish a book in a month or six months or whatever. What are the first steps to really build that thought leadership foundation? It's not starting with just writing a book. There's things you need to do first. Can you take us through those steps a little bit? Absolutely. So first and foremost, this is before you do anything else, understand your business model because by being a thought leader, that does not pay you the bills. No one pays you to have the title thought leader, and that's not, in fact, a <laughs> natural title either, right? There's no thought leader of Google. Right. <laughs> uh, so what it is is you need to understand where your revenue comes into and why you are being a thought leader, right? So in my case, I, I drive high-level sales and high-level business development for companies. So I need to be able to get to the CTO of the VA or the CMO of Walmart. And so by mm-hmm. being a thought leader, it drives my ability to do that, which brings millions of dollars into the companies I work with. So that's part of my business model. Another part of my business model is I'm a paid speaker now. But you can't 
you know, assume that you can get right out there and start, you know, charging $10,000 fees and be booked enough to be able to support yourself. So that can be a side income, but you really need to understand where is that main income. It could just be your salary. So you could be a uh, VP at a large corporation and you want to make it to the the C-suite. And something like turning yourself into a thought leader would more easily make that path happen for you. All right, so it could just be you want promotions and more money at the corporation that you're working with. So understand that you want to be a thought leader for that purpose, then your actual platform needs to be in line with that thinking. So always come up with your goal and work backwards from there. So some of it could be, you know, not necessarily going out and starting your own business, but I'm working at a certain level within an organization. I want to be seen as being promotable. And so I become not just a thought leader within my organization, but probably within my industry or my, you know, my field of expertise, right? I mean, that's people know me outside of my job day to day. Exactly, exactly right. And so not only does that help you get promoted or give you greater negotiating power inside of a company, I have friends who are professional speakers who pull in six figures by speaking, and they have high six-figure salaries for working part-time at a large corporation because they are that valuable for the corporation. More Corporations want to have as many thought leaders in that niche as possible because not only does it attract, attract customers and clients and partners and funding, but it also attracts other awesome employees. Absolutely. You know, that's a really, really interesting point because I talk to a lot of people who say, well, you know, if I'm going to stay within X corporation, you know, I don't want to be seen as being too loud or too well-known because I want to stay within the organization. But you just said something which I think is absolutely true, which is um, companies want to have this type of person because not as it just, it's good for their business, but it's good for their credibility and their brand. And you're right. I mean, people that have, or organizations that have very strong powerful people attract more strong, powerful people to be employees. And so it's almost like a magnet that drives employees to them. Exactly. And you have to remember, you're not trying to compete with other people to be the spokesperson of your company. That's not the goal here. The goal is for you to have your unique platform that ties in with that company. But when you get on stage, you're talking about your unique point of view. You're not giving a company pitch, which is why you are not competing against anyone else who happens to be the face of the company. Interesting, yes. So, yes. So, you're, you're become, again, becoming known as an expert, whatever your, your expertise is. You might be an expert in technology. You might be an expert in sales. You might be an expert in you know, some kind of management, whatever, but it's that as opposed to being the employee of XYZ company, giving the XYZ product pitch. Got it. Exactly, exactly. So one of the things that you've done very, very well as a um, as a thought leader is become a speaker. What are some of the hints for people who might want to get started on this, but they, you know, the idea of getting $10,000 for a, a keynote is, is just way out there. So how do they get started uh, beyond, you know, kind of, I know we can go to Toastmasters and do things and, you know, whatever, but what are the things that you that you would tell people to get started to get on stage? Sure. So you need to think about yourself now as a business. I don't think of myself as Robin. I am Robin, Inc. You are mm. the Inc., right? So it's you, yep. Inc. So thinking that way, you are building a brand and a company. You cannot do this alone. You need to bring on experts who can help you, and that is going to take capital. So you're going to have to invest 
in yourself, the same way you invest in education, you're investing in yourself, you need to invest in yourself and bring on those people that can help you get to those paid speaking engagements. And that list includes, and I, and I have a spreadsheet, by the way, that comes with the book that outlines all of this for you, so you can just make checklists on the spreadsheet. Um, but it might be a speaker coach, a voice coach, a script writer, a slide designer, right? And it might even be a business development department. Now, this isn't kind of a new concept for a speaker, but maybe you want to be that paid speaker, so you bring on a professional speaker in your industry. So, if, say, if you are in healthcare and biotech, you mm -hmm. can bring on someone like me, and I could get you on stages because I've been on them all. So, now I have those connections. So, you need to hire a team. <laughs> you need to hire companies that will help you with these different aspects because as an individual – just trying to go and get on those $10,000 stages without any connections into that industry and without any input from experts, expert script writers and expert people who understand how to present to an audience, you're probably not going to get that $10,000 gig. You know, it's interesting that you say that because, um, you know, I think if people think about, gee, I'm going to build a house, you don't say I'm just going to go and, and, you know, lay the foundation myself and figure out how to put electrical wires and where to put the plumbing. You hire people who do that. But you think about these things, and too many times both people within organizations and entrepreneurs or small business people, et cetera, they say, oh, I, I can do this. You know, I don't need I, – I can do exactly. my own prize. I can do my own speaking, and and it's the same thing as kind of saying, are you gonna are you gonna wire your own electrical system, or are you gonna bring in someone yep. who's not gonna get electrocuted here? Yeah. There is not a single company in this world that is profitable that does not have a marketing and branding department that are experts in just that. Yep. <laughs> you know, you're launching a brand, and there is not a single company in the world that would launch a brand for zero dollars. Absolutely. You have to invest in this. This is a company. Yep. So given given what you said here, uh, and, and we've got people listening that are, are, you know, marketers, and some of them may be in organizations, and some of them may be individuals, and uh, some of them may be wanting to break into something, uh, what's the first place you would start besides just kind of reading your book? But if there's one thing that you should do to get started, what would you recommend? I would recommend getting a solid TED-style talk in place. Okay. Um, now, there are a lot of companies that – Specialize just in writing TED Talks with you. And these are affordable. They're, they're going to be thousands, not tens of thousands of dollars to hire someone who's going to help you craft that first perfect 18-minute keynote around your subject area. And why I would say bringing on someone to really coax all that information out of you is because uh, it's doubtful you are an expert in copy. Right, the copy, sales copy, marketing copy. This is right. ridiculously hard. I think it's probably the single hardest way to write is marketing copy, copy, by far. And so, basically, if you are a speaker on stage, you are selling ideas. This is a form of marketing copy. And so, really, having someone help pull out those ideas from your head and then getting it down, distilling it down. Because I, the the thing that I see with with speakers that is the worst part is by giving too many details. So they, they talk about their perf their personal story and they go de you know detail by detail by detail. And I say, if you can't get it to the back of the napkin, you have too many details. Right? <laughs> and so you need a, an expert that will say that to your face and say, you know, you're boring the hell out of me in these three minutes. <laughs> Take it down. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We're talking here with Robin Farman, 
uh, from Menyon, and um, we're talking about the Thought Leader Formula, which is her new book. Um, where can I find out more about that, Robin? Oh, go ahead to my website, and um, it'll be also distributed, of course, so you can go to Amazon, but my website is robinff.com, and I'm also launching an online course along with this, which reflects exactly the type of information in the book, but it's just done in video format for people who prefer to watch instead of read. Excellent. So you can read it, you can watch it, you can learn it, but the important thing is to get going on it, right? Exactly. And, and it really does take you from, from step zero. So if you have never been on stage before, if you've never given a keynote, if you've never written an article or, or been published at least in like a, a mainstream magazine, this is the perfect system for you. That sounds great. That's fantastic. Thank you, Robin. It's been a pleasure to have you here. Thank you. I've had a great time. Fantastic. And uh, we need to now go out and start doing our thought leadership work to, uh, to get to that level and get those speaking engagements and become thought leaders. Until next time, this is Linda Popke. Thank you for listening to Marketing Thought Leadership. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Marketing Thought Leadership, brought to you by L2M Associates. If you'd like to find out how you can improve the return on your investment in marketing programs, processes, or people, contact us at www.l2massociates.com.